What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Magical Living. I am your host, Roger Burrows, and today we are going to be keeping the train going and talking about being physical and setting goals and productivity and all of the things that have been on my mind lately a lot. Um, Before we get into that, please be sure to like and subscribe if you're listening to this as a podcast and you would like to watch the video, you can find the link to the YouTube in the description below. If you're watching this on YouTube and would like to listen to it as a podcast, you can find the link for that in the description below. And as always, if you would like to book a one-on-one session with me, you can do so using the link to Snug in the description below. So, I had a lot of energy waking up this morning. Um, Kind of more energy than I've had in a pretty long time. Um, I just slept great. Like, I I don't know what to tell you. I just slept great. Um, and I've been I've been sleeping progressively better and better of late, for sure. Um, but something about last night, I just, I got, I was fully relaxed. I didn't have any crazy dreams. Um, I woke up naturally. So I like to wake up. In my magical Christmas land scenario, I like to wake up between 6 and 6.15. Um... I am not a 5.30 a.m., you know, rise when it's dark out kind of person at all. Um, But at least where I live and just the topography, I guess, affects it. Um, But generally speaking, most days, except when it gets weird during the time change, um, you know, the sun starts to come through my blinds between 6 and 6.15. And that's kind of when I really like to wake up. Like, a lot, a lot. I really like waking up at that time. It gives me time to gently wake up with the sun and the feeling and the birds and the nature. It's the best. It's great. And then, you know, after about 20 minutes of just laying in bed and gently waking up and doing, like, a body check-in and just feeling how I'm feeling and what am I going to do today. And I I have a, a separate time... You can actually see the planner on my desk. I have a separate time, like once I have woken up and brushed my teeth and eaten breakfast, then I will actually plan out my day more deliberately. But in those first, you know, 20-ish minutes, it's all very swooshy and you're in that liminal state of asleep and awake and it's great. It's the best. Um, So that certainly helped today, for sure. But a couple of other things fell into place for me over the past, I would say, 24 to 48 hours that have helped me preserve and focus my energy. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say preserve and focus my energy. And a lot of it comes down to recognizing and acknowledging and giving weight to what I need in life. So one of the things that I've kind of been struggling with a little bit is, you know, I've been doing a lot of ad hoc work um, during the pandemic, tutoring sessions and coaching calls and, you know, writing and podcasting and making YouTube videos for the personality community. Like I'm doing a bunch of different things and 
I'm I'm up and about and I'm doing stuff. I did improv for a while. I was doing am doing the stand up thing, but even that's sort of via Zoom. And so I've stayed. I've certainly stayed busy and productive and moving forward. Um, you know, but the world's starting to come back to normal ish or the new normal. And you know, I've changed a lot, and my priorities are changing and have changed and are continuing to change and as I'm starting to really check in with myself and narrow down and really understand where I am, where I want to go, what that gap is, how to put together habits and practical actionable steps to get to where I want to go and all all this really, really important stuff. And, you know, in the midst of all of that, I feel in some ways that I am certainly more productive now than I was at kind of any time during the pandemic. Um, But I also feel like I have more energy too. And, you know, I I do, I have my lunch club meeting every Thursday and, you know, I make these, these videos and podcasts twice a week. And, you know, again, with the writing and I have the letter writing project and I'm like, I'm actually kind of doing a lot. But it doesn't feel, I don't feel completely dead and drained at the end of the day. And I certainly wake up with a lot of energy. And let me be clear, part of that is nutrition. Part of that is working out 100%. But the biggest thing that I have found is that I didn't realize how much... Thinking is draining. I didn't realize this. And it's something that I have never really thought about. Because my identity has always been not wrapped up in, but kind of defined by I'm thinker person, I'm writer person, I'm knowledge sector person. And, you know, and here's the thing. In a lot of ways, that is very much me. My biggest frustrations in musical theater happened because I didn't get to use my brain and my writing and communication skills to anywhere near the extent that I needed in order to sustain myself and survive. And, you know, by by survive, I don't mean in like a practical sense, but like nourish in the nourish my soul and feel good about the work that I'm doing and waking up in the morning, like that kind of more existential survival. But I also, as I've talked about on here, I can't sit at a desk. I, 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 I just can't. And it's, it's been really tricky for me to sort of understand and truly process what the consequences of that are because so much of the work that thrills me when it comes to, again, communication, writing, happens at a desk these days. It happens in front of a computer. And, you know, I, again, really trying to take a critical and also impartial look at all of the work that I've done over my entire life and saying, okay, this was fulfilling, this was not, this was fulfilling, this was not. 
listing down like what about this was fulfilling what did you get to do and the one time where i had a true just like straight up desk job that i loved that i felt fulfilled that i felt like i am contributing i am my most authentic self was when i was doing in-house recruiting for my tutoring company because all of that work was, I mean, for for that two to two and a half weeks, I just had six interviews a day. That's all I did was I just I interviewed somebody for, you know, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. I had a 20 minute break. I interviewed somebody for 20 minutes, 20 minute break, interviewed somebody for 20 minutes, 20 minute break. Like, and it was just that for two and a half weeks. And it was, it was rewarding. It was fulfilling. I connected. And for a really long time, I thought that that was just about the human connection, getting to communicate, getting to listen, getting to help people. And don't get me wrong, that absolutely was a part of it. But a much, much bigger part of it is the communication piece. Specifically, the physical act of speaking. Because when I tracked the work that I did in school, yes, there absolutely was a lot of performing. And yes, there was a lot of sitting down, but, you know, I walked between classes. I was very, very active in a lot of ways, just being out and about and going to and from class, whatever. But in my classes, they were all discussion classes. And actually, the classes that I didn't do well in were the lecture classes. Because I just... The only lecture class I did really, really well in was my senior year. I had one gen ed requirement left. uh, And I took a class called History of Religion, uh, which was a great class. Like... Professor Sklar was, is just a, a wonderful teacher and a, a generous human, and I, I enjoyed being in the room with her. But at that point, I just knew how to do the college thing, and I knew how to contribute in a discussion, you know, in a big lecture. I knew how to contribute and somewhat discuss and be participatory in the breakout groups and the discussion sections like I'd I'd figured out the mechanics of it but every other lecture class I just it was death it was awful and I couldn't like when there was a lot of reading just dead dead in the water couldn't do it because it's not so much I mean certainly there's a component of I can't sit still and I do have a lot of just physical kinetic kinesthetic energy that just, that just is who I am. But I can make it work as long as I'm talking. Because, again, as a singer, I'm not going to pretend that my technique is or has been great for my entire life. But I'm using my body. The body is involved in phonation. And so I was able to make it work and feel engaged and physically supported and energetically whatever because I was talking and the times when I find myself being really motor mouthy 
and just sort of like talk, 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 and whatever. That tends to only happen when I feel physically restrained. And when I do feel physically restrained, it's like I, oh, no, 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 no. I have like my body needs to be active and engaged and involved. So if my if my body is restrained and I have to like sit at a desk or if I'm sitting talking to somebody at coffee, it's just like it gets very I get very chattery because my body wants to move. It wants to be active. It wants it wants to be active, but very specifically in in a in a speci- in a very specifically non-sexual way. It wants that sort of bro hug energy. And it wasn't until these past couple of days that I realized that that's really been missing in my life. And without even needing to go down the road of like men and platonic touch and male affection and like without even having to go into that enormous discussion on just a purely sensory physiological level getting to do the like you know the 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 hand slap like the the hand grasp handshake and the back slap right giving someone a high five shaking someone's hand in a professional context one of the most uh i'm gonna say one of the most rewarding physical experiences that I have had in my life was shaking Norm Lewis's hand. I saw him on the subway one time. He was waiting to get on the subway at my stop. And I walked up to him and was like, how's it going? Are you, you're Norm, right? And he was like, yes, I am. I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a musical theater guy. You've been a huge inspiration to me um, to give me somebody. Because there aren't a lot of guys who do what we do who look like us. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing in this, you know, in this industry as a, as a leading man who's not white. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. He was very sweet about it. And we shook hands and he was like, first off, oh, he's got a good handshake. If you ever have the chance when all of this pandemic nonsense is over and we can touch each other again, if you ever get a chance to shake Norm Lewis's hand, shake Norm Lewis's hand. And he, we shook hands and just, he, I mean, he's got, he has these beautiful large hands and like my hands aren't like, I have long fingers, but my, my hand itself is not actually that big, but it's got a lot of energy to it. And I give a very good handshake. I always have. We shook hands. He's like, Oh, you got a nice handshake. And I was like, thanks man. You have a nice hand. And we, it was such a simple, it was, it was such a simple interaction in so many ways. But we communicated so much in that handshake. And I think about how much in this past year we have been deprived, necessarily, understandably, but very deprived of so many ways to communicate information to the people around us. Because even, you know, even when I'm doing my, my, you know, when I was doing improv via Zoom, 
Yes. Okay. Yes. You can be physical in your own space. Totally. Yes. You absolutely can use the camera and use the medium and, and stand up and walk around and put your hand in front of the camera like you're putting your hand in front of the other person's face. Like, there's a lot that you can do, but you're not in the same room with them. You're just, you're just not. By definition, you are not in the same room. And I think about the work that I did in, in my in-person improv classes certainly in LA, but also in New York City. And even, you know, I I have a pretty firm no-touching rule when I do my improv. Um, I mean, we got to really, really know each other and trust each other, and it's just, it's, it's a line that I, that I prefer not to cross. I don't mind if people touch me. I'm totally fine with that, but I don't like to touch other people just because you're in the moment and I, it can get, it can accidentally get weird and I would prefer not to introduce a source of friction into something that we're trying to make together. But after a couple of weeks, you get to know each other. Yeah, I'm fine giving people a high five. I'm fine, like, you know, giving, if it's a contextual, you know, if it's like a stage hug, you know, I'm comfortable doing that. But even without those little kinds of touches, I didn't realize how much information we communicated just by being in physical proximity. When, regardless of what we're saying, talking, taking in the environment, there is nothing cooler. There's nothing cooler than when you're in public and you're at a coffee shop or something and a little dog walks in. It's one thing to be like, oh my God, it's the little puppy. And you feel the feelings about the puppy. Great. Love it. Fantastic. But what's even better than that is when owner walks in with an adorable little puppy and you look to the stranger next to you and you're like, oh my God, do you see that puppy? And they're like, oh my God, look at the little puppy. And you have, it's a moment, it's an energy exchange, it's a bond, it's a camaraderie. You don't know each other. You will never speak to each other again. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of anything. But in that moment, you're communicating information and you're triangulating about a situation and you're, you're, you feel like you're seeing reality the best interactions I've ever had in a workplace, period, were totally wordless. Were totally, totally wordless. Because it was me and my boss slash colleague. It was weird. Like, she started out as my boss, and then I got a promotion, and then we were on the same level in a lot of ways. Except sometimes she was my boss. It was very strange. But she was great. She was one of my favorite co-workers that I've ever had, ever. And we had kind of a wacky office. We just, we had a lot of personalities. We had a lot of personalities in that office. And from time to time, whenever anything weird would happen, we would just look at it, like, we would just know, like, that's some shit. 
and we would look at each other, like we'd catch each other's eyes, and we would just like, we would just stare at each other for three and a half seconds and be like, are you seeing this? And we're like, yeah, no, this is, this is indeed really happening. You're not crazy. Oh my God, this person's a nut job. And then we go back to work and it's fantastic. And that's, it's so important. It's so important to our day-to-day lives that sort of ad hoc, unspoken energy information exchange that just helps you get past a little bit of a rough patch. And that's something that we haven't had for the last year. And I think that it's, I mean, it's certainly one of the reasons that I've gone so crazy and why I've struggled so much is because I'm so accustomed to communicating a lot of information. Granted, a lot of that is spoken. A lot of that is me jabbering my face off. 100%. Not gonna lie. But there's something else. There, I didn't realize how much information I was also getting to communicate and had the luxury of being able to communicate because I was in person. When I was back in New York City, I used to read in church. I loved reading in church. It was maybe my favorite thing. Like, singing in the choir was always whatever. Obviously, you know, I never had a solo because I was never an actual chorister. But even when I had solos in choir, like, I never really cared. But the thing that made me feel truly, like, closest to God and doing the work of the heavens and bringing the energy of our collective best and highest good, like really deep existential shit, like those feelings, nothing ever compared to when I got to read. And certainly reading the scripture uh, was important and meaningful, and I always got to read from the Old Testament because that's just how they how you do it. Um, and so getting to read from the Old Testament and realizing that you know this is this is a, a a piece of text that other religious groups also recognize and it's so that was very cool and whatever but the best part about it was i got to lead the entire congregation in prayer and that was the best because i was able to i mean it felt like i could control time that's the only way I can describe it, is that I got up there and it was all pre-written. I had the prayers and it was very like, it was it was very me. It was text that I wanted to say and asking the world, asking God for peace and for wisdom and gratitude and charity and to feel inspired to bring light into the world. It was great. It was It was so profound and meaningful and I loved it. But I loved it because it wasn't just me spouting off some nice prayers. It was, I got to, I stood up there. No one's talking. Everyone knows that I'm the person in front of the mic right now. And I could really take my time. And I would say a sentence, beat. Beat. 
you know, Lord in heaven, hear our prayer, whatever it was. I don't remember the exact, uh, I think it was God in heaven is what I say. And then the congregation says, hear our prayer. And so I, what I got to do is I was like, say this very profound, please grant us the courage and wisdom uh, to be charitable to those around us in times of strife. I got to take a real pregnant pause and feel out the room and feel the energy of my words sinking into their psyche and then coming in with inviting them to join in. And it was this, it was this incredible back and forth. And that just isn't a thing in digital communication. Even when it's on Zoom, I mean, I remember when I was, you know, talking to family members over the holidays, it was murder. I hated it. It was awful. Just straight up. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Because it was like me and my parents talking to extended family even once the tech was set up, there was too much of a gap. And it was just like, I say a thing. And then there's, it's not just that there's silence. I'm totally fine with silence. But when it was like, I send a thing and then they're just sitting there like, not even active listening because they haven't gotten the message yet. And so my impulse is to be like, oh, well, I haven't communicated energetically enough. But then I'll start talking and they talk over me. And it's just not, you're like, no, this exchange is, it's very clunky. That's not, there's, there's a gap. There's information that's, that's missing from, that I'm not getting to communicate. And the most natural way to compensate for that is to just, give more facts or give more emotion or give more information verbally. But that's exhausting. And when I think about the ways in which the pandemic really has exhausted me, it's feeling like there's the amount of communication and amount of information that I used to be able to give and do. And now because I can only communicate via webcam and text and email and messenger because otherwise I could kill someone accidentally, literally. I'm like, oh no, I'm not giving enough information. And listen, there are, of course, there are little hacks here and there and strategic emoji use and how to use ellipses and putting like and so and putting those little hooks at the beginning of sentences so you sound so it sounds a little bit more spontaneous and like you're catching the ball that they are throwing to you conversation like there's things you can do but that takes energy and that takes brain space and i bring up all of this because i'm realizing that now that the world is starting to get back on track and we are starting to have more in-person interactions the reason I have more energy is because I'm not hemorrhaging energy trying to get my point across all the time. It's just not as hard because we are doing things in person and things don't feel like we're still being safe. We're still wearing masks. We're still social distancing. 
But there was an austerity to the past year. And there was a, a, a very legitimate fear of like, not just don't get near me physically, but it was, again, it wasn't just, you know, stay physically six feet apart. It was, don't let your energy bubble touch my energy bubble. And here's the thing, when you're, when you're real close, you don't have to work that hard to bring in someone else's energy or to give them energy. But when you're six feet apart, you only kind of have two choices. You're like, okay, well, either I expand my energy and hope that it gets there through a mask, or I have to speak more loudly, or I have to say more words. Uh, the other day at the gym, I, or no, it was, it was, it was today at the gym. Uh, I went and there was a spin class happening later, but I wanted to see if I could use the studio uh, and use one of the bikes. And I got the attention of one of the people at the front desk. And the person was like, the person said, how can I help you? Perfectly nice, perfectly friendly. I, on, on paper, there was nothing wrong with his response or his interaction. But he didn't realize that he wasn't energetically bridging the gap. The physical, because again, in real life, he would have just walked over to me, been like, hey man, how's it going? But he couldn't. He had to stay where he was because we needed to stay six feet apart indoors. And because he didn't realize that he, that he needed to throw his energy in addition to simply communicating words in the English language, it made for kind of a tough interaction. I, and then I then had to like, reach across the energy field to hear what he had to say and to get to to be able to pick up that he had heard me and that I wasn't shouting into a void or being rude and to have that interaction. But I was like, oh, right. And here's the thing. In person, I'm happy to do that. Obviously, I would prefer if everybody met me halfway all the time. But I, you know, whatever. I got a lot of energy. I'm happy to extend but it really brought into sharp relief how much information we communicate when we are in person relative to when we are forced to communicate either asynchronously or digitally or via Zoom, you know, webcam, whatever. Um, even with like low latency stuff, it's just our human energy system is just faster. It's just faster and more effortless, and it's just going, it's it's just happening. It's just happening in truly real time. So I, I am so excited to know this, and I'm really excited to be able to insist on it and to be able to say, no, this is a thing that I just need in my life. I need in-person interaction. I need, whether it's coworkers or friends or whatever, like that the, the immediacy and the energy of the in-person, like, because then my brain is freed up. Then I can actually think about problems or other things or 
focus my energy more efficiently because I'm not worried about, well, am I saying enough? Am I communicating enough information? Does this person actually understand everything that I'm trying to get across, which I'm now having to overcompensate for because all I have are words because the energy is just getting blocked by a screen. So I'm excited. I really am so excited. Because knowing this is, I really feel like it's going to shape a lot of my interactions in the coming month, in the coming months, as things start to ramp up and get a little better and get a little easier. Um, And I don't really know where it's going to go, but I am confident that I will have the, I will have so much more energy because I'm not wasting it, just trying to have the most basic human interactions that I need in order to survive. All right, that's all I got for today. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. Again, please be sure to like and subscribe, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye!